I'm David Bryan. And I'm Brenda Bryan. This is Renovation Made Right. If you're considering a remodeling project now or sometime in the future, Renovation Made Right is your single source to help guide you through getting the project you want and an experience that you'll enjoy. Renovation Made Right tackles topics that range from how to select the right project and contractor to tips on surviving the remodeling process to best practices for kitchen and bath design. We have over 30 years of experience in the industry and are owners of the well-established design-build remodeling company Black Dog Builders in Salem and Nashua, New Hampshire. We're sitting down with industry professionals to tap into their experiences and insights so we can equip you with the tools you need to make your own project a success. Howdy, howdy, howdy. <laughs> Here we are. Another episode of Renovation Made Right. I decided to mix it up there. I'm making Meryl laugh, and that's really my only goal in life. This is Brenda Bryant. And this is David Bryant. <laughs> And we want to welcome you back to Renish Me, right? Despite We're getting, like, punch drunk here. I don't, no, don't we, me. Okay, me. You. Just me. Yeah, you. Yeah. You know, when we do, when we record these late in the afternoon, I just, there's something that goes decidedly wrong okay, in my make, head. make a note. It needs to be morning, apparently. More morning apparently is better Brenda, time Brenda's for me. a morning person, apparently. I am. I well, am. We've been married 34 years, and we're figuring that out now, so let's go ahead. <laughs> I'm not really a morning person either, but, you yeah. know, it depends yeah. how early we're talking. You, you pick a time, honey. All right. Whatever works for you. Well, today we're going to do a little Q&A. So we've got a question that was emailed in, and this is from, I'm sorry, Brian. And Brian is uh, asking a question about this house that he's renovating. So he said, I've been listening to you since the early days, and I recently undertook a kitchen renovation, which I felt more confident doing thanks to your show. Awesome. Congrats, Brian. We have a tiny 650 square feet house built, uh, which is, by the way, still big for tiny house standards. Well, I don't think he's suggesting it's a tiny house. Mm. I think he's suggesting it's a tiny house. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think you're punch drunk too. Anyway, uh, we have a tiny 650 square foot house built in the 60s as a summer cottage. We want to turn it in, into our forever home and are working through one room at a time on a small budget. My next project, or at least one of many, is addressing some annoying features in the bathroom. One thing I want to do is address how the low head height in our shower. The bathroom is in a lean-to addition with sloping ceilings. The height is about six feet mid-slope. I'm thinking of installing a skylight in the shower in order to get extra height and light. Can that be done? Or would having a window that close to moisture be problematic? Below is a photo of the space. I think we can put that in our links so that people get an idea of it. So first, Brian, thank you very much for the, for the, uh, for the question, and thank you for the photos. And I love the fact that the house is 650 square feet. That is tiny, but it, that when you have a home that size, it makes everything you do, like the the... the, the the final details, everything really important. Right? Yep. Every every inch matters, and every decision matters. And you know, trying to get a little more headroom uh, makes a big difference as well. So, um, for our audience, <clears throat> what basically exists here is a tiled shower that's a three sided shower open on one end, and uh, the open end is obviously the end that has the curtain that would go in place, and then there's a sloped ceiling over the shower. Now. As you've already decided or described, it's relatively low headroom. Mm-hmm. So you're looking to increase the headroom um, by potentially putting a skylight in the shower. And some folks may be like, okay, so why is that going to change this, the height of the ceiling? Well, 
your skylight, when you put a skylight in a space, the skylight sits up on top of the rafters. And so you would gain the width or the thickness of the rafters. Now, I don't know, we didn't talk about where this house is located, um, but you did talk about the fact that it's sort of a summer cottage. And so my guess is it's not very heavily framed, meaning that the rafters aren't very thick. So you might have two by six or two by eight rafters. Mm -hmm. But even if you did only have two by six rafters, that would be likely the smallest rafter you'd ever have. Um, even if you did have that, you could increase your ceiling height by five and a half inches if you put a skylight on top of the roof and you cut the rafters out. Now, hopefully it goes without saying, but you don't get to just cut the rafters out, obviously. You got to do some reframing so you maintain the structural integrity of the roof. Right. Right. So you don't want the bathroom falling over. Right. Right. Now, you have YouTube available, so there's plenty of resources there to get into the actual reframing and the things that you need to be thinking about. But um, but there are a couple of concerns that come to mind, right? So it's a shower, and so obviously in a shower we generate a lot of moisture, right? a lot of steam. Also, although I don't have pictures of the whole bathroom, from the pictures I do have, I don't see anything that shows any kind of ventilation, right? So that's my first concern. Yes, right? big concern. <clears throat> and the other thing is... Uh, um, we don't get any, we're, we're not aligned with this company. We don't get any uh, special benefits to this company. But the only skylight that we will use is from a manufacturer called Velux. And uh, Velux makes a very good skylight that is well thought through, well engineered, and generally speaking, when installed properly, doesn't ever leak and doesn't leak for a really, really long time. So that's a good thing. I'd encourage you to look at a Velux skylight. Well, those are two different things. You said doesn't ever leak. And doesn't leak for a really, really long time. Are those the words you meant to use? Because doesn't ever and not for a really long time. So I guess when I said doesn't ever, I was thinking after installation, there's a very, very likely, very low likelihood of install of, of leaking problems. And then when I said for a long time, I was thinking 25 years later, they still aren't leaking. Okay. Thank Good. you for parsing my words so carefully. Well, I just it. I just want people to know that, no, I, you know, like I, they might be going, what? So I just want to clarify. I th that that's the tiny house, tiny house that we were talking about earlier. Exactly. <laughs> all right. My apologies. If, if anyone else was confused, I apologize. If they all were. Okay. If that, makes you, if that makes you feel better to believe that, that's fine. <laughs> so so here's the problem. Um, the Velux skylights only make um, wood frame skylights. So... I have a little bit of aversion to making the recommendation to say, oh, go ahead and pop a skylight into your shower because it's like, as you said, it's a small space and it's going to be in close proximity to the ceiling, to, I'm sorry, to the shower head and close proximity to the steam because there's just not that much room for it to go. Mm -hmm. And because it's going to be wood, uh, it has more propensity for the finish not to necessarily hold to it if the moisture gets in there or for you to have a mold or mildew problem and so forth. So here's my suggestion. And, and, and I did a little bit of quick research and I was not able to find any vinyl skylight manufacturers or aluminum skylight manufacturers that I would feel comfortable with. You might be able to find one, but in the end, uh, having a skylight that's got some structural integrity and a good flashing system is probably more important than anything else. Mm -hmm. So Here's my suggestion. If you go with a Velux skylight, uh, and they come in a variety of different sizes that are that can work for this space, what I would really encourage you to do is make sure that, frankly, before it's in place, you do a great job at sealing every single piece of wood in the skylight. So mm -hmm. a really good primer, and then multiple good top coats, 
uh, to give yourself a really good buildup of finish, right? So that's job number one. Um, and if you've done that well, that's going to buy you a, a nice amount of longevity for having a skylight in the space. Would it make sense to use like a marine grade paint? So that's a good question. I don't, I don't think so because the marine grade paint design is different in that it's actually trying to inhibit microorganism, microorganism growth mm-hmm. for boats that for 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 surfaces that are actually staying in the water. Right. This is a different situation than that. If anything, you might put in. Uh, you know, a mold inhibitor. You might put a mold yeah. ad- inhibitor additive to the paint. That mm-hmm. might that might help you as well. But really, what I'm thinking of is okay. Just make sure that everything is well sealed. Mm-hmm. Now you can buy skylights like that pre-primed, which is great. Um, but you want to get in there and just make sure that you don't have any exposed wood that's got the potential to experience moisture. Mm-hmm. Now, the follow-up to that is, I would rec- I would not recommend you do any of this at all unless you also combine. Um, really good ventilation in the shower, right? Yep. And what I mean by that is I don't mean ventilation in the bathroom. What I don't want you to do is let moisture uh, basically congregate in the shower and then suck it across the ceiling mm-hmm. um, by putting your vent fan in an area that's away from the shower. I would like the vent fan to be in the shower proper, right? And there's a lot of different ways to do that. You can actually put a remote unit where the, the actual vent itself, the, the, the mechanism is somewhere else, but the exhaust port or the I'm sorry, the intake port is in the shower. So there's a manufacturer called Fantech. Uh, they make uh, boxes where the, the fan you can put somewhere else, and you just need to run uh, a hose to the area that you want to exhaust, and then they'll put a nice, you know, five inch diameter or four inch diameter uh, trim on it. Yeah, it looks almost like a like a recess can trim. It looks a little yeah. like a recess can trim, exactly, and. You can buy those fans in multiple sizes, and and as we've talked about on the show, uh, all ventilation is is basically sized in what they call CFM stands for cubic foot per minute. It's how many cubic feet per minute uh, that the that the fan will move. So th- envision that as like a basketball is about a cubic foot. So how many of those you can exhaust from a given space, uh, and and that may help you get a handle on it. Um, the minimum is like fifty cubic feet, uh, or maybe even forty. We don't ever go that da- down yeah, that road. Yeah, that's I, terrible. Yeah, I prefer more ventilation than less. So the, uh, when, as an example, we just did a renovation in our project. We put a 110 CFM fan, and there is nothing in our bathroom uh, other than the glass enclosure of the shower that gets steam. Mm-hmm. And even that uh, only gets steam down low. The steam up high doesn't happen at all. And the steam never migrates to the mirrors or migrates outside the bathroom, right? outside the shower. And that's super important too because if because your ceiling is low and the glass is going to be above it, the steam gets up there, it's going to sit up there, it's going to drip to the edges, right? And, so yeah, this is not which, great. In addition to which, forget the skylight. Even if you chose not to do the skylight, you still um, are reducing the likelihood of mold and mildew growth in the future and mm-hmm. you're making a healthier space. Mm-hmm. So putting in really good ventilation, and it, it may be a little more invasive because you actually may have to put that ventilation up in the rafter because again, you have this open cathedral type ceiling. Um, so you may have to do a little more demolition than you might be thinking to allow the ductwork to be located where you want it to be. But regardless, you're gonna do a fair amount of gutting anyway, given that you wanna get the skylight in there. So. So there's the, the general recommendation is um, give you a green light on the skylight idea, but not without some caveats, not without making sure you've sealed the heck out of the wood so it's never going to see the moisture and 
that you are putting in a great vent system so that any moisture that is being, I shouldn't say any, the bulk of the moisture that's being generated will actually be extracted from the shower and not cause a problem with your brand new skylight. That sounds good. What do you think? I think that's the answer. All right. Thank you for not criticizing that part of my answer. Well, give me time. <laughs> I'll get to it. So, Brian, again, thanks. We really appreciate you uh, asking the question, and uh, and hopefully you find some value in that. Uh, and thank you for listening, and, and glad that we were able to be helpful on the kitchen side of things. Um, and, uh, and good luck with your uh, continued renovation. It sounds like a fun space. Exactly. All right. Here we are um, with a question from Laura uh, from Andover. And it is a kitchen planning question. And let me put on my spectacles here. It says, uh, Dear Dave and Brenda, I am planning a kitchen remodel sometime in the next five years, but don't have the budget yet. But my range recently quit, and I need to buy a new one. I don't have gas. I wish I did. Uh, So it is to be electric. I hate the way my old house, my old one looks, the coils, that is, that I don't like about my old old range. Uh, But I'm not sure about a glass top unit. What would you recommend? Hmm. Ooh. Brenda, right up your alley. Super exciting. Okay, so since you don't have the budget for it, meaning we can't do like a cooktop and a built-in oven someplace because you don't have a place to put that right now. If you're replacing a range, you got to put in another range. So for the time being... Hang on, let's describe what a range is, right? Because there's all these terms of appliances that can be confusing. Okay, so a range is a one-piece unit of a cooktop and an oven together. It's what everybody thinks of when they think of a stove. And here's a question I bet inch. you I bet you don't have the answer to this question. Why do they call it a range? Because like when I think range, I think of like bison, like grazing. That's on where the they range. got the name. Home, home on the range. No, they did not. Where the mac and cheese <laughs> and the, I don't know. Like I don't know. So I'm just curious, I'll let you know. No, I don't have a clue. All right, off actually. you go. So anyway So range. Call the range. Somebody 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 has to look that up right now. Somebody, oh, Meryl's Googling. Meryl's Googling for us. Good, she can tell us. Oh, hang on. Meryl's passing me her phone. Keep going. Okay. I'll educate you. No, no, no. You educate me now. Early ranges were so called because they usually had more than one oven and usually at least two cooking spots on top, furnishing a range of places Ah, to cook. Ah, very nice. Good. See, you learn something every day. Thank you, Google. Um, Anyway, so you're going to replace it with another range because I'm assuming you took it out of a 30 inch spot which is a standard size for a range and you're going to replace it with another 30 inch unit because nothing else will fit yes they make ranges that are 36 and 48 like those big giant gas ones in electric models you're pretty much in a 30 inch range no matter what now if you were doing if you had the budget now and you said you want to do a kitchen remodel you may want to think about a cooktop a separate cooktop separate built-in oven but that I, I would love to say that doubles your price. It doesn't. It like quadruples it because you gotta. If you have a built-in oven, you gotta build it in someplace. It usually means cabinetry, and that's expensive. And then, um, you know, you have the cost of the appliances, which you know for a built-in oven can be fifteen hundred dollars for one. Sometimes it's a ridiculous number. Whereas a range, thirty-inch range, you can get a range for under a thousand easily. So there's a huge range of costs for ranges so um so again if you're going to go back to a regular 30 inch range now we have a couple of options several actually you talked about you know the the regular old-fashioned kind of electric coil range coil top range which are not attractive but they work and they're absolutely the least expensive range that you can get 
like you probably you could go to a scratch and dent at at uh, Lowe's or Home Depot and pick one up for two hundred fifty dollars. Which, by the way, if you're thinking that your window of time might be five years, that there's a lot of validity to thinking that way because that is true. then you can then you can you know give that to Habitat for Humanity right at the end if it's still in great shape right and get the one you really want for the kitchen when you really do it mm -hmm. right there's that a, that is true to limp right? it along you, right so maybe it's a good idea that you do go do a little appliance shopping just say you know what would i really like if in five years i want to do something big and over the top and maybe i want a 48 inch whatever um go check out what's available and see what would really make your heart glad and then in the meantime pick the pick up the cheapest possible range for the for the next five years in our market um lowe's has a couple of scratch and dent stores yeah, and all great. they do is scratch and dent appliances and they have like you know one in this region one in another region and they aggregate all of the dinged appliances from all the lowe's mm -hmm. um and uh and we got a spare fridge for our garage and we crushed it we got it was a really nice fridge mm -hmm. for short money with a, and with had a some manufacturer dents in the front and we're right. like who cares it's who in cares the it's in the garage right we're right. gonna have somebody's gonna dent it anyway right, right? and we and got it with the with the warranty for a, you know I don't know it was like less than half of what it yeah cost I was gonna say maybe a third of the, yeah. of the price but yeah. anyway keep going so Sorry. so that is actually a really great strategy and that in that sense go get a two hundred and fifty dollar range with the coil tops and it's ugly and it does, but it doesn't matter because you know you're gonna be replacing it in five years and by the way it's still a working appliance so you could give it to Habitat or um, somebody else to to so it's not going to end up in a dumpster. But one alternative also might be that you that that, that this listener wants to get, um, you know, if they forego the choice of gas in the future, they could they could then do an upgraded range Correct. that they could use in the next kitchen. What would that look like? An upgraded electric range. So an upgraded electric range. You know, there's there's basically two kinds of just what we call standard radiant heat ranges, and one is the uh, coil top, which is the least expensive then it's a glass top and a lot of people like glass tops because they're much cleaner looking um, and I would agree with that um, they're a little bit harder to keep clean I don't want to say that's true I suppose you have to if you clean your rain regular if you clean your range regularly it, it's all about the same if you're leaving it for long periods of time the glass because it expands and contracts with the heat can actually get stains that you really can't ever get out of them um, which is not great. And of course, anytime you have a radiant uh, heat range, um, it can be dangerous, just like gas, in that, you know, if you forget to turn it off, um, it's hot. If you put your hand down, especially on those glass top uh, ranges where you may not be paying attention, you can get a burn. Um, so one other thing to think about, and actually two other things to think about, I'm gonna talk about a freestanding range versus what's called a slide-in or drop-in range. A freestanding range has, uh, it's, it's basically a, like almost a backsplash, like an escutcheon on the back, um, where all the the controls are on the back of the range. So this is kind of a standard one that you like, if you think about what a traditional 30 inch range looks like, it's got all the controls are on the back section. It's like a four or six inch uh, backsplash that raises up off of the back of the range. So a slide in or a drop and have the controls on the front of the range and nothing on the back, which is actually a little cleaner looking, like if you wanted to do a nice tile, um, detail behind your range, something like that. It's a little more stylish. It's really not any more expensive per well, se. But in the, in the scenario where the controls are in the front, you're also not reaching over boiling or hot pants to make that adjustments, is, right? That is also true. There's a safety consideration. There is as a well. safety consideration. 
it's not as safe for kids. Mm -hmm. That's the downside, right? Like if you have a toddler in the house and they can reach up and, and touch the controls. They are usually, it's, you know, where you have to push them down and then turn them. So there's a little bit of child proofing in it. Um, but it's not as safe as, for instance, um, having their controls in the back where kids can't reach it. So keep that in mind, too. Everybody has their own, you know, uh, kind of balancing act between, you know, do I want to keep my kids safe or do I want my kitchen to look nice? <laughs> I know I'd always opt for wanting my kitchen to look nice. <laughs> the fact that we have four kids and they're still alive. Uh, they're still alive. Come on. Yep. No so scalded either. No, no. We, they all lived. Anyway. Um, so that's one consideration to make is whether you want one with, um, you know, the controls on the front or the controls on the back. The second thing is there is relatively new technology, which I mean, maybe like 15 years, it's less than 20, is induction cooktops. And, I, you know, um, when they first came out, they were super incredibly expensive because um, it was the newest technology. And so it was really hard to touch unless you were at the upper end of the market. Well, since then, the prices have come down markedly and you can buy an electric radiant range for about the same cost that you buy an induction range. And here's how it works. The radiant range, the, the element that heats up your food is on the range itself. The, that gets hot and that heat uh, transfers its heat to the pan that you're cooking in and that's how your food is cooked. With an induction range, use um, pots and pans that are magnetized and I mean like a magnet would stick to it. So any kind of metal um, pan that you could stick a magnet to will work on an induction range. And what happens is there are magnets in the range and they heat up the metal of your pan and that's what cooks, uh, you know, whether you boil water or you're frying something. It is the molecules in the pan basically vibrating very quickly against each other because of this magnetic field that heats up the pan and that cooks the food. So one of the nice things about induction is it cooks more like gas in that it comes up very quickly and it goes down very quickly. You know when you turn off an electric pan, you turn it off, you have to move the pan away. Otherwise you're gonna burn whatever's on there because you can't stop, you can't stop that radiant heat right away. It stays, it stays hot for a long time. With induction, as soon as you turn the, the cooktop off, it's off, mm -hmm. it, just like gas, right. right? So you can actually turn something off and leave that pan in place. Also, if you move the pan off the stove and you put your hand down on the cooktop, it's not hot, right? Right. Now, when I say it's not hot, there might be some, some radiant heat that comes off that pan and when you take it up right away, I wouldn't leave your hand there for a long period of time, but truth is you could touch it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and within a couple minutes, it's relatively cool. So it's safer. Um, you know, that's the other nice thing about uh, induction is that you can't, you can't light things on fire. If I leave a piece of paper, uh, you know, on my cooktop, it will never catch on fire. And actually, once you move the pan, it automatically turns off because there's nothing uh, magnetized against it and therefore it doesn't run. So it, it can't keep, you can't, you can't accidentally leave a burner on with an induction cooktop. Really? Yeah. That's pretty cool. I didn't it know that. It is pretty cool. So, you know, you, you, people think, oh my God, I left my cooktop on. You know, they leave the house and they get these panic attacks. Like I need to go home and turn. No, you don't. Right. Right. It's, it's automatic. You cannot possibly leave it on. Huh. So that's kind of cool. Um, let's see. So I would look into those. Some people go, oh, well, you know, I don't want to buy all new pots and pans. Well, first of all, many of your pots and pans will work. If you can put a magnet on it and it sticks, it will work. Um, but even if you don't, if you think about, you know, what's it going to cost for a new set of pots and pans? A couple hundred dollars, 
right? It's not like these are crazy expenses. So so maybe you uh, you upgrade and you get yourself new pots and pans, and you know the old ones were looking like crap anyway. <laughs> so anyway, that's my that's my brief spiel on uh, what you can do for a range. So awesome. Laura, I wish you good luck. Good luck, Laura, and thank you very much for the uh, for the question. We greatly appreciate it, and hopefully that was helpful. Yes. All right. So here is our next question, and I think this is better for Dave. So I'm going to read it. It says, hi, Brandon, Dave, long-time listener, first-time question. Thanks for the advice. I've learned a lot. Well, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, I'm thinking about remodeling my master bath mostly by myself. All right, so it's a do-it-yourselfer. Do but I wanted to hire one of those, quote-unquote, one-day companies to replace the current gold fiberglass tub with a shower unit. Is this a good idea, a good value? What are the downsides? Thanks. Joe from Wilmington, North Carolina. All right. So great question. And um, so I think there, just like for a lot of things in home improvement, I think there can be a value um, when you're looking for um, a more limited project. One of the challenges with bathroom models is um, we end up doing the majority of our bathrooms are full gut remodels because by the time a client says, all right, I want a new tub or I want to convert my tub to a shower or I needed to retile around my tub or whatever it might be. They never want just that. They also want a new vanity. And while we're at it, let's do a new floor. And you know what? The ventilations never work quite well in the bathroom. And the and, lighting's terrible. And the lighting's not good. And I don't have enough storage. Right. And so, and, and or because I had bad ventilation, I got mildew on the ceiling and, and that's a problem. So very often, after you get done with a full conversation around the bathroom, you end up circling back to saying, we should just gut this, mm -hmm. right? It'll give us an opportunity to upgrade the plumbing, upgrade the electrical, in upgrade the ventilation, or at least create ventilation, all that stuff, right? Put in the proper substrate for a nice tile floor or whatever kind of floor you want, put radiant heat, whatever. All that stuff happens. When, and so if you, so that's very common, but if you're in a place where you're like, listen, I have limited dollars to spend and I'd like to give, and I'm gonna use this term, a facelift mm -hmm. to my bathroom. Right, so stuff isn't moving. Right, we're not, we're not converting from one type of fixture to another type of fixture. So as an example, if if the majority of homes have a shower tub combination, maybe they've got a cast iron tub with tiled walls or whatever, and you say, I want to upgrade that to a shower. Well, why is that an upgrade? In part, it's an upgrade because a shower and a tub use different size drains. Mm -hmm. You have to put in a larger drain for a shower than you do for a tub to meet code in most areas, right? So there's more infrastructure work now right mm -hmm. now you got to figure out a way to get your pipe all the way back to the main stack in an increased diameter in order for it to work right which may mean more demolition right may mean you have to lift up more areas of the floor and do those things and when now you're starting to move away from the facelift but if you're if your requirements are simple and straightforward um, then doing things like a tub liner um, can be a great way to go and get a beautiful new surface that's clean, it's easily cleanable, it's efficient, it's nice, it's well set up, um, it's durable, all that can work out really well. And you've isolated the work that's happening to that one area, leaving the rest of it for you if you're willing to do that. If you're willing to swap out your vanity or willing to put in your floor or willing to do the painting work and the other stuff's not that big of a deal to you or the, uh, the rest of the bathroom's already in good enough shape that it doesn't need it, mm -hmm. then using a product like that um, can work great right uh you know it's it's relatively quick there those guys have it down to a science it's all they do they get in they get out and you know you have a, a conforming nicely done uh shower tub combo or whatever you might be doing there i think there i think there's a lot of um a lot of sense and a lot of value doing that it's actually 
it's a it's a little analogous to trying to give your kitchen a facelift, right? So um, there are lots of companies do cabinet refacing. Cabinet refacing is not actually inexpensive, and because the kitchen is a space is a place you interact with all the time, and the cabinetry is stuff you interact with all the time. To to take the existing kitchen, in, unless it's really well designed and really efficient and really well thought out, which most are not, mm-hmm. to take the existing design and just make it pretty again is probably and and still spend a chunk of money to do that is probably not the best solution. That's especially a, if you, for instance, have drawers that are falling apart. Correct. Right? Like you know, it's one thing if 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 your cabinets are well built to begin with and the guts of them are holding together and solidly uh, constructed. Yeah. And right. you could do a reface, but, but it's re- yeah. half the time people want stuff removed, and it's, it's junk. It's right. falling and it, apart. And, but again, and it, it circles back to money and where you're comfortable, right? If the number that you have in mind is 25, and that's as far as you can go, you're going to be pretty limited in what you do, and you may need a more attractive kitchen that you can be happy with, understanding there's some shortcomings. If the year number is 45, well, maybe that opens up some opportunities for you to replace your cabinetry with new cabinetry and a better design and all that kind of stuff. Same basic concept around this bathroom question is like, you know, the reef, the, 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 the liner solution is a great solution. Um, it limits your flexibility in most cases. You, you can't do a lot of different stuff with it, mm-hmm. um, but you're also not going through the heartburn and headache of ripping things out down to the studs um, and making it a much more involved project um, but the trade-off there is you also don't get much more for your money. So we do a ton of bathrooms where if right now the bathroom's got a single vanity and maybe it's the kid's bath and putting a second a second sink in that bathroom could be a big adder to you because it add a lot of value. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't really realistically do that unless you open up the walls and modify the plumbing behind the walls, mm-hmm. right? Um, so where does that happen in the process and does it get bigger? That, that, moves, that starts to move beyond DIY typically unless... You know, you have comfort You're level. A handy person. Yeah, and comfort level. Doing, you watch yeah. a lot of YouTube. Right. <laughs> I'm sorry. You can accomplish a lot with a lot of YouTube. Well, be careful about that, right? Just because you can watch somebody else do it, they, they, that's years of skill that they've shown you doing it. That doesn't mean that you can actually acquire that same skill, right? It's not always like sweating a pipe is not that black and white you gotta figure you gotta know what you're doing yeah, it's not yeah. just right? no 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 yeah. I, I i totally agree yeah. with you and when you're messing with plumbing i, I heard about a guy who did not like a small operation on himself because he watched on youtube so oh many gosh. times i'm not kidding yeah no, i was I believe like it. you gotta be kidding me no, and he I videotaped it. it and put it on youtube <laughs> <laughs> i was like how mad i could you well, get? like watch me really remove my spleen yeah, right. <laughs> nice. all right a spleenectomy um <laughs> So anyway, good. It's it's great product in the right application, um, and as long as you sort of know what you're getting into, uh, and the constraints, I think you can end up getting a project done for less than you would in a moment, in almost any other way. Mm-hmm. And and if you're willing to put sweat equity in, it's still a place that leaves you the opportunity to do the sweat equity stuff. Right. So that's my takeaway. And that's what, our... what, what do you think about that? I think it, well, like I said, you know, those some of those companies, and a friend of mine owned a company like that down south. Um, friend of ours and um, they did great work you know the one day bath thing and yeah. it really you know it's like two or three basically if you if you talk about everything but <laughs> yeah. it's, um, one, it's one day in concept oh yeah right one day, <laughs> right um, but you know they provided a good value if you're just if you just want to update everything make it look new and um, and, and put the minimal amount of investment in it's actually a 
decent way to go. I can't say anything bad about it. It's it's limited in scope in terms of what you can do. But if you if you're on a tight budget, you're going to be selling your house, or you know, you just you're you're in a place where the guts are fine. Um, but it's just really it's like like you said, you know, you have like one of those harvest gold, um, you know, fiberglass fixtures. This is a good option. Or cast iron. Yeah, it eliminates the need for you to right. you know, carry a cast iron tub out of the house. Yep, that's true too. So. It's good stuff. All right. All right. So another good show. Thank you for the questions. We really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been another episode of Renovation Made Right, and I am Brenda Bryan. And I am Brenda. I'm not Brenda. No, you aren't. Can you, can you edit this? So I'm David Bryan. No, I like it. I'm watching way. you say it, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'd like to be the. Yeah, like, <laughs> okay, I'm going to say that too. <laughs> I'm David Bryan. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Be sure to check out the show notes on our website, renovationmaderight.com. And follow us on social media at Renovation Made Right. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you like the show, leave us a review.